Welcome to Not Your Mother's Menopause, Making Hormones Make Sense, with Dr. Fiona Lovely. Dr. Lovely is an expert on health, treating women and their families from around the world. Her specialities include endocrinology, functional neurology, and functional medicine. Please visit us at drlovely.com. And now, here's the doctor. Hello, I'm Dr. Fiona Lovely, and this is the Not Your Mother's Menopause podcast, Making Hormones Make Sense. How's everyone doing today? I am uh, currently in Western Canada, and we are surrounded by wildfires, so (laughs) I have a bit of an irritated throat today, which should make it uh, more soothing listening, maybe. Um, Hopefully, I will uh, make it all the way through and not cough my way all the way through. So if there are others of you that are going through this wildfire season and and struggling, I I send you love and light. And um, I hope the, oh, Mother Earth sends us a big rainfall here. So to put all the fires out soon. Anyways, uh, today it's episode number 76. And I'm talking about fasting specifically for women. Now, I'm really excited about this episode. I've been uh, thinking about it and researching it for a couple of weeks here, so I've got lots to share. But before we go too far into the information, I thought I'd take a pause so you can hear about our sponsor, Athletic Greens. Let me tell you about Athletic Greens. Eating well and taking all the recommended supplements can be just another task for the to-do list. Even if we do our best with eating a healthy diet, many of us could benefit from a nutritional boost. Athletic Greens is an excellent way to get those nutrients in an easy-to-take form. One tasty scoop of Athletic Greens contains 75 vitamins, minerals, and whole food-sourced ingredients like medicinal mushrooms, probiotics, prebiotics, adaptogenic herbs for adrenal health, and more. The Greens Superfood Blend helps to fill the nutritional gaps in our diet and tastes good too. We have been taking it daily in our house for a few months now and we love the convenience of the high vibe nutrition it gives. As a physician, I love that it has clean sourced ingredients to help with gut health, immunity, brain health, and cellular function in one easy step. It has replaced many other supplements in that one scoop in our house. Athletic Greens is offering my community a one-year supply of liquid vitamin D and five travel packs with your first purchase for free. Visit athleticgreens.com forward slash Fiona Lovely to take advantage of this offer. Okay, so if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you know I've done an episode on intermittent fasting previously. And you might be wondering, why is it that so quickly I'm doing another episode on fasting? And the truth is, right now, I'm getting more questions about fasting than just about any other uh, any other thing in the women's health arena. Now, I think this is really exciting because fasting is an incredible tool, if used uh, properly, to help with all kinds of health issues. But the more we learn about intermittent fasting in particular or time-restricted feeding is that the more information uh, I think that needs to be uh, put out there about how women need to do it differently than men. And um, 
Uh, certainly our, our menstrual cycles, our monthly cycles, uh, even if you're perimenopause and you're skipping periods or you're menopausal and you don't have a period, your own energetic ebbs and flows need to be a consideration for how you do your intermittent fasting. So intermittent fasting, fasting does reduce the risk factors for cardiovascular disease, Alzheimer's, inflammation, which is the keystone of a lot of degenerative diseases, diabetes, uh, etc. It, it um, reduces the risk of cancers, slows aging, decreases chronic pain, but it's different for women. And remember that women have been by and large left out of the medical research that's been done. That's changing, but we may be uh, told that something is evidence-based, which it has been uh, that women have been essentially left out of that particular research. So you really got to look into that. So I also want you to ask yourself, why are you fasting? Is it to reduce these risk factors? Is it to sharpen your mind? Is it for health, for reduction of inflammation? Are you hoping to uh, resolve diabetes? Um, please, if you hear me say that, that needs to be done under the supervision of a medical professional. Are you doing it for weight loss? Some are doing it for minimalism. But I really want you to have uh, clarity about why it is you're doing it, because I think it's going to help you understand how best to cycle your fasting. So uh, let me talk a little bit about the psychology um, as well as the physiology of what happens. So when I talk about intermittent fasting, I can also call it time-restricted feeding. And the idea is you have a window of time in a 24-hour period where you consume food. And when that window closes, let's say it's eight hours, there's 16 hours of the day where you're not consuming anything other than water, black coffee, or black tea that is not herbal. So those are the things that will not break your fast. So a 16-8, like I just described, which is 16 hours of fasting, eight hours of eating, is a very common way to do fasting. And it's really flexible, meaning that if you tend to eat, more, be more hungry earlier in the day, but not later in the day, then have your window open when you get out of bed until mid-afternoon. Um, I say most people are probably the other way. They're not particularly hungry in the morning and start to get hungry around midday. So that's when you open your window and then close it uh, eight hours later. Now, lots of people do 12-12. There are uh, one meal a day plans. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, some people uh, like to do a longer fast. For the sake of this podcast, because I know that the women listening to this podcast are going to be women in the perimenopausal years, I'm going to assume you have some level of adrenal fatigue. And because of that, and that's a dysregulation of the hypothalamic pituitary adrenal axis or the HPA axis, um, and frankly, who doesn't after uh, the last year and a half that we've been through, um, I'm going to assume you have some level of that, which means I'm not going to encourage any kind of fasting over 20 hours, period. If you are wanting that kind of fasting 
go find that information elsewhere. I simply cannot endorse that at this time. In the future, I may do a podcast saying, yeah, that was crap. We know better now. So let's do longer fasts or maybe we shouldn't be fasting. That's how science works. But for the time being, as of July 2021, this is the best information we have. And this makes good sense to me uh, as a physician of women working with women in perimenopause. Okay, so when food is absent, cells go into repair and rejuvenation mode, which is really cool. As blood sugar drops, something called autophagy is toggled on. And autophagy is cellular cleanup, detoxification of the cells, repair and regeneration. And it's really a great tool to use for brain health in particular. And I have spoken at length about brain health around autophagy and fasting in a previous episode. So something else that's really interesting about uh, fasting is that it increases human growth hormone, which helps us slow the aging process and it builds muscle mass and it encourages fat loss, specifically around the abdomen or the center of the body. And we know that um, abdominal fat increases our risk for inflammation, diabetes, heart disease, and these sorts of things. So a human growth hormone that comes from fasting can be really helpful. So keep in mind, our ancestors didn't have access to food the way we do. They didn't have a restaurant or grocery store on every corner. Uh, the way we do here and now. And so there were times, they were very food insecure. There were times where they wouldn't eat potentially for days or eat very little for days. And so we have evolved the ability to have a secondary fuel system, um, which is uh, allows our brain and body to continue to work. And that's essentially what we're doing when we're using fasting uh, for, uh, for health. So... I think it's really important to talk about the psychology of fasting. And you may not be aware of this when you get into fasting. You may be doing it for weight loss or health reasons. But one of the things that becomes really, really clear when you're fasting is just how much you're eating food for comfort, number one, and number two, for pleasure. Now that's a totally legit thing and I figure on the scale of all the things that can really get you into trouble <laughs> when you're seeking pleasure, food's not that bad. Um, but then again, this is my pattern. <laughs> so maybe it's just self-justification. Anyways, um, we realize how quickly when we're fasting our eating becomes habitual. And I remember when I started fasting about a year ago, <clears throat> The first night I fasted, I remember just laying in my bed because I didn't near go, didn't dare go near the kitchen, laying in my bed under the air conditioner on a hot July day thinking, oh my God, I'm hungry. I'm literally going to die. I'm going to die of hunger. Now, obviously, intellectually, I know that's not true. I've got plenty of stores to go through like most of us, but there was a real panic that I had to calm in myself when I felt that hunger arise. And certainly in this podcast and for years, I talked about how eating smaller, more frequent meals was helpful for you know adrenal fatigue. Again, science moves forward and we change our minds about things. And it took me uh, a few days to get over that way of thinking. But then I started to see 
and this even happens to these days, just depending on what's going on in my day, some days I may be into my fasting window, I come home from work, it's been a stressful day, and I just, I want popcorn, or a glass of wine, or some cheese and crackers, gluten-free of course, and like I'm totally aware that I am not hungry, but there's something about just consuming the food that way that just feels incredibly comforting. And I wanna encourage you, to be flexible around your fasting. Because if you're feeling stressed and the thought of having hunger on top of that or turning to something very unhealthy for comfort or pleasure is going to make things worse, then for, for heaven's sakes, just eat something. Like really, yeah, ain't dying tomorrow. So what you want to do is really just Give yourself some grace there, especially in our perimenopause. I think that's really important. And through the process of intermittent fasting, you're going to get really clear on how you use food. Are you using it for nourishment? Are you using it for pleasure? Are you using it for comfort? And I found that for myself, that was an incredibly eye-opening experience. And uh, I think you'll find that too. Okay, so I talked about the research that we have on intermittent fasting for the most part is done on men. And women are different in many ways, uh, anatomically, obviously, physiologically too. We aren't just little men. So I suggest we need to be cycling our fasting based on our own menstrual cycle. So let's talk about this a little bit. Let me break that down for you. Um, and don't worry if you're not still cycling, I'm going to talk about that too. So basically, uh, we have the this menstrual cycle that varies throughout uh, the month. And we've got our menstrual bleed, which is the first day of the cycle. And then we have the follicular phase, which is ruled by estrogen. That's essentially the first 10 or so days after your uh, period is ended maybe nine days before you ovulate where most of us feel really um, you know it's the get shit done kind of time and I know my own energy is really really good in that time it's a good time for me to schedule projects and that sort of things to be um, initiated and uh, the public facing stuff done and then we have an ovulation time which is very much we are mother nature's gorgeous flowers during that time everyone and everything wants to come to us and uh, that is a time where we can do the longer fasts the first sort of two weeks of the cycle first of all when you're bleeding no fasting just full stop in the same way you go to a yoga class and they say don't do handstands when you're bleeding same kind of thing with fasting your body is in rest and regenerate mode this is not the time to deny it any kind of um, ability to fill the storage tanks the reserves for the organs so uh, and and other things so just do not fast during your bleed full stop first um, so that would be day one to five and then days five to 14 15 16 you're okay to do your fasting now women should not fast back to back okay we really should be cycling our fasting um, and there's a lot of opinions on this as to what makes good sense I say always follow your body follow your rhythms um, if you're feeling run down um, I say don't add another uh, thing to manage into that uh, um, into that pot just 
give yourself the space to rest and rejuvenate. And, you know, when you're eat mindfully and choose nourishment in that time, but know that you may be doing it a bit for comfort as well. And that's fine. Now, the most extreme uh, opinions say a woman should be no, there should be, should be fasting on alternate days. So if you fast on day one, you don't fast day two, you fast day three, you don't. But again, consider it against your own cycle. And that should be sort of in that first, uh, so days five to 16, let's say. And then in the next bits of our cycle, our body can be low in progesterone. And if that's the case, then we really shouldn't be fasting during that time either. So there's a, there's a fairly limited window where we want to do that. Now, that said, that applies to the most extreme kind of uh, fasting as I'm talking about it in this podcast. So that would be anything where the fasting window is 16 hours or more. Those are best done between your period ending and the end of your ovulation. Okay. So, and after that, you want to be a little more gentle with your fasting, just to be respectful of your body. Really, really important to do that. So let's say one day you do a 16-8, and then the next day you do a 12-hour fast. And then maybe you do no fast. And then after the no fast day, you do one meal a day. Um, Lots of people do something like that, but that's really what I want you to look at is the cyclical nature of your body. And if you're not sure, or your menopausal, um, look at the chart, print off a chart of the moon cycles or the lunar cycles in a month. Actually, print off three months is, is a good sort of measure of data. And I want you to, just on that calendar that you printed off with the moon cycles, I want you to just kind of say, okay, on this day, my energy was low, my energy was high, I was nauseated, I was pissed off, I was spotting, I was crying. Just chart that for about three three months and you'll be able to compare it to the lunar cycle look we are mostly water and the moon uh, controls the water on planet earth the ebb and flow of tides and this is well documented and this is a good way if you don't have a regular cycle or you're on birth control or you don't have a period this is a really good way to get an idea of what your own personal cycle is, okay? Because we can't always use our periods to do that. So fasting can create a stress response, making adrenal problems worse, and we do have some research around this. Um, If you are someone who is adrenally fatigued, eating early in the day is a better option for you because it helps that cortisol curve. And understand when the brain perceives stress, it downregulates or restricts the hormone releases all the way around, which means if you're fasting and adrenally fatigued, you could be making it worse. Now you can't sleep. You don't want to have sex. You're dry. You're feeling grumpy, um, etc. Your blood sugar goes to hell. Ovulation goes to hell. So really being mindful of how stress affects our bodies and how our bodies respond to stress over time is a really important factor, I think, in how you decide to do your fasting. So remember, your cells are constantly changing how they read their DNA depending on your environment. So if you feel like stress is a factor for you, change your environment. Okay, doesn't mean you have to leave the home you're living in. Maybe it does. Doesn't mean you have to leave the relationship or the work that you um, are currently doing. Maybe it does. 
but be aware that you have control of your environment for the most part, which then affects how your cells read their DNA. Fascinating, yeah? Okay, just have a little tea there. So another things to keep in mind, no strenuous workouts on intermittent fasting days. The more stress you have, the less you should intermittently fast. You should be alternating intermittent fasting days. I like that idea a lot. Um, I know for me, just embracing this like cyclical fasting has really um, helped me manage stress in a far better way. I want you to remember that the measure of a woman is not how busy, stressed, how much work you have, how much emotion you can carry. Wonder Woman or Supermom is fiction. You are perfectly, perfectly a child of the universe, of God, of creation, of Mother Earth, exactly as you are. You need do nothing more to be a better version of yourself. You do not have to give away all of your time to the pursuits of others. So there's my permission lesson for the day. Okay, another thing I want to talk about here is compulsive fasting. And I have seen this over and over and over again in my practice is women who get obsessive about fasting exactly the same way that the diet industry taught her to do when she was a teenager and she got obsessive about calories or fats or carbs, right? So listen, it's a mind, I'm not going to say that word, it's a mind F and it's somebody else's ideal. Do not fall into compulsive fasting. We have been well trained by the weight loss industry and others that force is the way to get the body done. And I'm here to say that bullying your body does not serve you. So if you are doing that, boo, let it go. Just let it go right now. I'm giving you permission to say that is not the way I want to move forward. I want to seek pleasure. I want to know desire. And because we have this attractability as women, I mean, we're the reproductive centers of the universe, at least the universe is, as far as the earth is concerned. We draw what our desires are to us rather than force them. Force is a masculine approach. And I'm here to say it's time is done and it is not appropriate for women to do that. But most of us have been trained myself to, oh my God, this is one I'm constantly learning and reminding myself of. Remember, the flower doesn't need to diet to attract the bees. Do not fall into compulsive fasting. Okay, now let's get to the sort of tactical tidbits and the wrap up of this because I know it's a lot, but I think it's all really important. Okay, number one, cons consider time-restricted eating for the health benefits. It reduces inflammation. It reduces your cardiovascular disease risk, reduces diabetes and insulin uh, responsiveness, improves insulin responsiveness. Uh, it decreases your chances of Alzheimer's and dementia. Um, it heals the gut because it gives your gut a chance to rest and heal, and it's great for weight loss too. Number two, be clear about your why. It'll help you stay in a healthy mindset about your food. Number three, please don't fall into the compulsive fasting trap. It's another way we keep ourselves stressed and powerless. 
The world needs strong and healthy women now more than ever before. Stop dimming your own light. It's just stuff you were taught to keep us small and enough. It's bullshit. Number four, cycle your fasts. Not one way is best for everyone. Minimum fast on the times that you are fasting is 12 hours, maximum is 20. And again, that's my perspective. There's lots of opinions out there saying that um, it's safe for us to fast for days. I can't get behind that for the scope of this podcast, okay? Um, I think there's a place for it in uh, medically managed facilities for people that are reversing disease, but not for us here, okay? Um, the longer or more ongoing fasts really do need medical monitoring. So don't even think about it, okay? Uh, number five, eating eat window-worthy food that makes you swoon in gratitude. I love that. <laughs> so I know for me, when I started fasting, I was like, why would I want to break my fast with this crap? You know, whatever it was, you know. I tend to eat pretty well, but um, who knows what it could have been when I had that uh, first thought. I think it, you get really clear on foods that are nutritious for you, and you get to, once you break that sort of habitual eating, I think that's pretty important. So number six, no punishing thoughts about your body, your mind, your emotions, etc. Willpower isn't a real thing. It's a made-up concept by the diet industry to keep us sick and skinny and in fear. And I don't know about you, but I have had enough of stuff like that. I'm just done with it. Perhaps that's the luxury of getting older. You just go, you know what? Sod it. <laughs> Get in line or find somebody else. Jog on. <laughs> and uh, number seven, adopt healthy habits that you can lean on in your fasting journey. Uh, I found that I learned that less is more, um, not just because my grocery bill went down, um, but I also learned that I could live uh, on a lot less, and that has translated into my physical stuff around me too. We've learned, uh, we live in a society of overindulgence, and um, you know that's something that, that hasn't been kind to us for lots of reasons, and the earth also, when you get really clear about why you eat, um, you can look at finding pleasure in places other than food and alcohol. And again, that's healthy habits too. So, okay. Um, my voice held out mostly. <laughs> Hopefully this information has been really helpful for you. It's been, um, I've loved delivering it to you and hopefully it gets you clearer and as always, if you uh, want to reach out to me, you can do so on the Facebook group, which is at Not Your Mother's Menopause Podcast on Facebook. I'm also on Instagram at Dr. Fiona Lovely, uh, where you can find me there. And I do post both places. And um, yeah, reach out to me. I'm, I'm happy to, if you felt like there was something here I could clarify better, you just never know when I might pop on one of the social medias and do a little... Uh, video to share uh, cl uh, clarity with you. So until next time, take good care of yourself, take care of the planet, take care of each other. Uh, bye for now. The views and nutritional advice expressed by Dr. Fiona Lovely are not intended to be a substitute for conventional medical service. If you have or suspect that you have a medical problem, promptly contact your health care provider.
No information offered here should be interpreted as a diagnosis of any disease, nor an attempt to treat or prevent or cure any disease or condition. As with any new advice or program, you should always contact your healthcare provider prior to starting anything new. Thank you.